All right. Well, how's everybody doing? I am Dan DeMay, and I am one of the pastors that is on the teaching team, and I am so glad to be with you, and I want to say thank you for uh, hanging out with us today. Whether you're at Lone Tree, at Highlands Ranch, at Castle Rock, or at Lakewood, or if you're listening online, we are glad that you are here, and uh, how many of you know that God has something for you today? Good. So get prepared. Be ready. Um, here's, here's the thing that um, uh, I, I wanted to share before I jump in, and that is this. Um, I, am, I, I consider it a, a complete honor and privilege to, to stand before you. I was telling Pastor John this week that it is just such, uh, such a, a trustworthy place that he puts all of us from the teaching team in regards to being up on the pulpit. And I was just thanking him. And then I got to thinking, you know what? The people always respond so well um, when, when I get up and, and share. And I just want to say thank you so much. It really is an honor and a privilege to be before you. And so uh, I'm super excited to give this word to you today. Um, we are in the fifth part of our Ephesian series. And I don't know about you, but this has been amazing for me. Um, the The information and the revelation that has been coming uh, through Pastor John's messages have been just amazing, and I'm just super excited to be a part of this series. I'm going to start by reading uh, the section of Ephesians chapter 1 that I'll be going over today, and then I'm going to open up with a word of prayer. It says, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Is that not just an incredible portion of scripture? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you so much again for the honor and privilege to stand before these people and to give your word to them. And Lord, I pray, just as Paul prayed, that it wouldn't be just words that they receive, that it wouldn't be more information that is given out, but God, that through me, you would give revelation to the heart of your people. God, I pray that we would open our hearts and our minds to receive what you have for us. Because Lord, if we come just to hear another speech, we don't leave this place changed. But Lord, I know it's your desire, and I pray that it would be the desire of every person hearing this message today, that they would leave changed. And God, we cannot come, we cannot experience you, and leave the same. So Lord, I pray that you would give us an experience with you, so that we will be different when we leave than when we came in. And God, we thank you that you speak to us through messages like these. And I pray that you would use me, use the words that I speak to penetrate into the hearts of the people listening to this word. Pray these things in your name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Um, You know, Pastor John, as he started this series, he said that if there was any book in the Bible, um, if he was limited to just one, he would want the book of Ephesians. Um, And I'm going to narrow it down and I'm going to say this. If there was any four or five verse section of the Bible that you had to have and you could have nothing else, for me personally, this section right here are the four or five verses that I would want. And as I was preparing this, um, I got with the teaching team, and one of the things that came out was Paul's heart. And I kind of want to share, before I even go into uh, the the different things I feel like the Lord wants me to communicate with you today, um, I want to kind of see if you can't get a picture of where Paul's heart is in the middle of this. See, Paul, in the first 16 verses, as as you know, we've, we've had four weeks already on that of messages. And to be honest with you, Pastor John hasn't even been able to complete all of the stuff that was in there because it's so rich of truth. And I believe that Paul, in the middle of writing this letter, comes to an understanding, um, you know what, this stuff is so good from God. Uh, I'm not doing an adequate enough job of just telling you or writing this in letter. I actually need to pray. 
And it's like, uh, I don't know if you've noticed this, but Pastor John at the end of his messages, especially in this series, have been going, he, he goes like this. He goes, Gah! I thought I'd get a little bit more laughter from that, but I didn't know. Uh, but he's, he's been like, oh, man, I've given you such, such depth. I mean, the, the whole message on the fact that uh, the father heart of God in week one where he was just sharing God's heart for us and the fact that he adopted us and he just, and he got to the end of the message. He was like, oh, how do I get this to you? And then he says, you know what? There's no other way to get this to you than to pray. And he basically says, hey, the Holy Spirit has to come in and he has to give you the revelation here. And I believe that's exactly where Paul is here in writing this letter, is that he's giving all of this great information, great insight into the heart, the father heart of God. And he's sharing these things. And then he goes, I've got to pray. And then he goes in and he says these words that I just read to you. And as I was studying this out, I really felt like the Lord told me um, to work this section of scripture actually backwards for you today. And so I'm going to uh, share with you three points today um, from the verses that, that I just read. Uh, three things that I feel like the Lord wants me to bring to you. The first one is this. It's found in Ephesians 1, 18 through 20. And I'm going to read that one more time. It says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The hope to which he has called you. I don't even have time to go into all of these points, but that word hope means the things that you expect. He says, may the eyes of your heart be enlightened so that you may know what to expect from God. Man, wouldn't it be good to be able to know what to expect from God every day of your life? If you woke up and go, hey, I know what God's gonna do. I know exactly what he's called me to. It's bigger than I am but I know that God is with me and so I can do these things and here's what I'm expecting God to do today. That's what Paul's saying. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you would know the hope to which he's called you to. He goes on and says this, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Oh, I, I, I begged God to let me stay here for a little while. He's like, no, you don't have time. Uh, but let me just share this. I spoke a message about the body of Christ and the fact that our inheritance, think about that. The word inheritance, it's, it's the thing that you get from uh, your family that, that is passed down to you. It's your inheritance, okay? And our inheritance in the kingdom of God is found in the saints, and I did a whole message on this, and I'm just going to touch base on it real quick, especially with the announcement for Dinners for Eight. He says, once again, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. The message I gave was basically this. If, I, um, if every single person in here had money for you, some had a dollar bill, some had $5, some had 20, some had 1,000, and there was one or two people that even had $100,000 for you, would greeting time look differently? <laughs> Tell me yes or no. Church, your glorious inheritance in the kingdom of God is found in the saints. And some people have a dollar contribution, some people have a thousand dollar contribution, and a few people have a hundred thousand dollar contribution into your life that you're missing out if you don't have fellowship. See, I, ooh. You've got to grab a hold of this. When we provide opportunities like dinners for eight, I know for, you know, the whole part, the personality quadrants. I, when I was the campus pastor at Highland Jones Campus, I talked about this all the time. But we talk about the personality quadrants and we're all in one of the four. You know, there's a 25% of us that are going, oh, preach it, Pastor Dan. Oh, I love relationship. Well, let's do it. Ah! <laughs> the other 75% are going, ugh. Don't make me join one of those groups. Please, please, I don't want to. The truth is this, your glorious inheritance is found in the saints. And I wanna challenge those other 75%. I'm gonna challenge you, sign up for Dinners for Eight. Boy, this is easy. It's not big Bible studies. It's not deep in-depth book studies. Or It's just getting together. Once a month for four months, you can do it. You can do that. 
jfc.org slash D48. Sign up or there's forms out in the foyer. I can't, I got to move on. (laughs) It goes this, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. His incomparable great power for us who believe. And here's how that power, or here's what this power is like. It's the power that is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Jesus Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly, uh, heavenly realms. Church, do you realize that the same power that God used to raise Jesus Christ from the dead, he wants to use in your life every day? And he wants us to have an understanding that he, through his Holy Spirit, wants us to walk in that power. And I'm just, I'm not going to show, ask people to raise hands or anything, but here's what I would just question. When's the last time that you felt that you were living your life in that kind of power? And it says that the eyes of our heart would be open or enlightened The word enlightened means illuminated, that it would be illuminated so that we could see the fact that God wants us to operate in that power. But then it says a couple different words right there that I want you to catch. His incomparable great power for us who believe. See, the first step in this is we've got to believe that God wants us to operate in this power. And to be honest with you, just being transparent and open. Sometimes I have a hard time believing that God wants to use that power, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That he wants to use that in my life. I I was thinking about this. I find myself like the man that brought his son. It's not in your notes. It's Mark chapter nine. He brings his son who is demon possessed to the disciples. And we pick up the story. It says this, a man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit who's robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Jesus replied, you unbelieving generation. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around. He was foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father explained, and maybe this is where you find yourself today. The father explained, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. See, there's, there's a great man in, in the Bible. His name is Abraham. And it actually, uh, the section of scripture I put in your notes there in Romans 4, it says this. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. You know, a lot of times I'll hear people that say that Abraham had a great amount of faith. Without a doubt, I think Abraham had a great amount of faith, but the thing that was credited to him as righteousness was not necessarily his faith, but it was that he believed what God told him. The next section of scripture in your notes there, Romans 4, 23 through 25 says this, the words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us. That's you and I. That's every single person listening to these words right now. It is not only for Abraham, but it's for all of us. To whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. This is, how, this is how important this is. I think that a lot of times the church 
doesn't operate in the power that it's supposed to operate because of unbelief. And when we get to a place where we can believe in God, it opens the doors, it opens the floodgates to where God's power can come in and we can see supernatural things take place through us because God uses us to do these things. God will open the floodgates and do supernatural things through you and I when we just open our hearts and believe. So first off, be like that guy. I believe, but help my unbelief. I want to believe even more. But then it raises the question, so how do you believe? I believe the Lord told me this, you have to receive revelation from God. I'm working this backwards. Remember the very first thing he said is, I pray that you would have the spirit of wisdom and what? Revelation. In order for us to believe, we have to have revelation. Brings me to my second part, and that's the very first section of, of verse 18, and that was this. I pray also that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. I looked up the word eyes in the Greek, and I thought I was going to get something like your eyeballs. Okay? And that's one of, one of it, I mean, it's your eyes. Absolutely. Um, throughout the Bible and uh, you know it says if one eye causes you to sin I, it's talking about your eyeball okay what you're looking at but it goes on in its definition and this is what it says envious vision and then it had some parentheses jealousy and I got to thinking about that do you know what the Bible says about our Lord and, and Father it says he's a jealous God let me give you an example, or let me tell you what that means. It means this, that God's eyes are for you, and he's jealous if you are focused anywhere other than him. If you've got your life priorities in, in disarray, and you're focused on other things, if you're putting anything else before God, he's a jealous God, and he's looking down at you, and it, it actually says envious. He's envious of your time. He's envious of your love. He's envious of your attention. He is pouring that out. Pastor John did just an incredible job. I think it was week two when he talked about the fact that God is the pursuer. He's constantly pursuing us. He's going after us. That's because he's a jealous God. Paul prays. <coughs> Excuse me. Paul prays. I also pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened to those things that we just already talked about. The eyes. He prays that your envious vision would be focused on these things. Would be focused on God before all other things. I got to thinking about this a little bit. And I brought it to the teaching team. Pastor John actually said this. I thought it was incredible. He said, whatever you put your focus on, you broker that thing in your life. Whatever you put your focus on, you put your vision on, you put your eyesight on, that is the thing that will be brokered or the thing that you'll bear fruit, that the fruit will come out in your life. And I, I thought of a perfect example uh, that, that I'm experiencing personally right now in my own life. And that is um, about a year, year and a half ago or so, all of a sudden I decided that I want a Jeep. I want a Jeep Wrangler. I want a two-door Jeep Wrangler. Not with these little wimpy tires. I want big tires. Okay? I want the soft top. I want to be able to take it off. I want it during the summertime when it's 100 degrees, uh, which is happening more often here. Um, 
I want to be able to ride with the top down and I want to just have a good time. And all of a sudden, about a year and a half ago, I just started to put the eyes, my envious vision on Jeeps. And here's something very interesting and I think everyone will relate to this. All of a sudden, I began to see every Jeep that is out there on the road. Yes? Castle Rock? Highlands Ranch, Lakewood, a year and a half before, you know, before that, before a year and a half ago, Jeeps could go by me all day long, could care less, never saw them. Kind of like Hyundais are doing right now, I just don't care. (laughs) If you have a Hyundai, I'm sorry. Uh, But all of a sudden, the eyes of my heart, the envious vision started focusing on Jeeps. Now, I, I want to let you know, and, and my wife wanted me to make you oh, very much aware, I am not putting Jeeps in front of God. <laughs> okay? My eyes, hopefully, but I need to recalibrate almost every day <laughs> to God. You know, there are so many other things that try to steal away our envious vision. Step on some toes, get into some living rooms right now. The Broncos. Tell on myself. I've got some people that are listening to me right now that can testify that this is true. Um, Two weeks ago when they were playing on Monday night, I had a foundations class to teach. Okay? Here's what I said at the very beginning of the class. Glad that you are here. Thank you for giving up your Monday night. If you are watching the game on your phone, I don't want to know about it because I'm recording it. It's amazing how we get our focus put in that. And there's so many different things. I don't have time, and nor, I, nor do I think it would be productive to just start listing those things. But you guys know. You know where your eyes are. You know what's got your attention. And if you don't ask the Lord, because he will reveal it to you, he'll speak to you. But one of the key points to receiving revelation from God is you have to focus your eyes on him. You have to make him the number one priority. If you truly want to understand the hope that which he's called you to, the glorious riches in the saints, and the great incomparable power that he wants you to operate in, you can't be focused on a Wrangler Jeep. Is it wrong to focus on those things? No. You know, there's other sections of scripture that says that God wants to give you your heart's desire, but there's also the Ten Commandments in which one says that you shall put nothing before me. And a lot of times we put a lot of those things before him. All right. We provide ministry time at the end of every service. And a lot of times... I mean, it's not our place to judge. I totally understand that. But a lot of times we can see where people's envious vision is. There's no condemnation. There's no guilt in those who serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to make anybody feel condemned or feel bad. But here's the truth. Um, Paul prays, and we're going to get to it in just a minute. But he says, I pray that you would receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation. See, when you're listening to a message like this, you are receiving knowledge. You're receiving wisdom. But if you don't tie that hand in hand with revelation, all you have is more knowledge and you don't, you don't get the fullness of what God has for you. We provide the ministry time at the end of the service on purpose so that we can put in what the message from God is going to get it in here. And so that during the worship time, it can go from here to here. And you can get that revelation. See, in order to believe, you have to get revelation. 
In order to get revelation, we have to take the eyes of our heart and we need to focus in on God. And it brings me to my third point, And that is this. It's the heart of Paul's prayer. Once again, I'm just going to read it one more time. I keep asking that the Lord God, or sorry, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. The heart of Paul's prayer and the heart of JFC for you is that you would know God better. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. It's about having a walking, talking, experiential relationship with our Lord and Savior. And that's exactly what Paul's saying. Pray that you would get the knowledge, but also that you would get the revelation so that you may know him better. Two things, according to Paul's prayer, are accomplished knowing him better. Again, the information and the revelation. So I looked up in the Greek, what does the word revelation mean? It means to take off the cover. I got a table before you at every campus and there is incredible things under this cover. I'm just telling you that right now. Matter of fact, the Bible says that uh, you should taste and see how good these things are. Some people say that the things on this table actually take away anxiety and stress. Some say it'll comfort you in times of distress. When I take this cover off and show you what's under here, it may bring some of you incredible joy and peace. So many different variables. And I could tell you about this and I could give you all the information and I could give you all the understanding and I could give you all the teaching and I could tell you till I was blue in the face how great all this stuff is that is under this cover. But until it gets uncovered for you, you won't truly know the depth of what is right here. Yes? Proverbs 29, 18 says this, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. Interestingly enough, it doesn't say where there's no knowledge. It says where there's no revelation. If you're not receiving revelation in your life, then you're probably finding it a little bit more easy to cast off restraint. A little bit more easy to succumb to that temptation. A little bit more easy to do the things that you don't want to do. A little bit more easy to miss the mark, which is sin. Without revelation, people cast off restraint. Galatians 1. Paul writes this, I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up, that I made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Paul himself understands the magnitude and the importance of this. And he wants to make sure that everybody understands the stuff that I'm teaching you, the, 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 the writings that I'm writing to you is not coming out of what I think is good for you. It is coming from revelation of the Holy Spirit of God from Jesus Christ himself. And I'm delivering what Jesus has told me to deliver. This message is coming through times of prayer and study and asking God, give me your heart for the people. I'm coming to you today right now and giving this word because I believe God has given me revelation to share to you. You know, Kim, uh, my wife is awesome. She's an amazing woman of God. She's an incredible person intercessory prayer uh, person. She's got that gifting um, and she 
knew that I was teaching on the subject and she shot me an email. Um, and I want to just quote a, a portion of that email that she sent to me. <clears throat> Revelation is critical to the normal Christian life. Revelation is critical to the normal Christian life. Without it, we just walk in circles with no direction. Oh, how many of you are hearing me today thinking, man, I've been walking around in a lot of circles. How do I know if I'm receiving revelation or not? Are you walking around in circles? You seem to be butting your head up against that same wall. You're probably not getting fresh revelation. She goes on and says this. We must hunger and receive revelation as a part of our everyday lives. This helps us carry out our earthly assignments with greater precision and wisdom. Man, I thought that was good. This is critical to every one of our walks with God. We have to be receiving revelation so that we may know him better because when we know him better, we know his heart more. When we know his heart more, we know what he's asking of us to do. And when we walk in the things that he asks us to do, we can do it with great power. Whoa, I'm sorry I'm yelling, but oh, that's just it. When we get the revelation from God, man, it begins to stir in our lives the things that God has for us, and we can operate and we can do the things that God has asked us to do. And church, to be quite honest, we're scared. I have no doubt that in the campuses listening to me right now, there are people sitting in the room that have received revelation words to give to somebody else, but you were too afraid to give it. And so therefore, the power of God was hindered because if you had given that word to encourage, to exhort, or to comfort somebody, that person would experience the power of God in their life. And it may have stopped them from doing something they wish they hadn't. Or it may have kicked them in the pants enough to go do what God's called them to do. I can't tell you how many times I've heard testimony after testimony of where uh, an individual would say, man, I was just praying today, God, if you're real, show me. And then somebody walked up to me and said, hey, I just feel like God wanted me to tell you he's real. I don't know what that's worth to you, but that's what God told me. And they walk away. How many of you know how powerful that is in that person who just heard that? Church, it's critical that we get the revelation from God. Because when we get that revelation, we get our eyes opened. We get the illumination to our hearts of those things that God has for every single one of us. He has so many purposes and so many plans for each one of our lives that we can't even count. We can't even comprehend. And we hinder what he has planned for you and I when we don't seek out revelation. I put in your notes, you cannot know God. Let me rephrase that. You cannot experience God. You cannot get a revelation from God and not be changed. Here's another test for you. Am I re receiving revelation from God? Um, well, when you come to church on a, on a given weekend, uh, do you walk out with just more head knowledge or did God change your life? Did God do something in your heart that you went, oh, I'm going to be different now. Uh, for instance, Pastor John is teaching uh, a couple weeks again, uh, a couple weeks ago again, on the fact that God is a pursuer. And I'm listening to that word, and I was just like, man, this is just so, so incredible. We go into the response time, and we start to go into worship, and all of a sudden, God gives me this revelation to that aspect of what he was saying. He goes, hey, guess what? It's not your responsibility. It's my responsibility. All you have to do is respond. And I went, oh, that's huge. It's changed the way that I've been focusing my prayers. Because my prayers, a lot of times, were like this. God, I just want to know what you want me to do. So what do you want me to do? 
And then I'll beat myself up for not hearing anything. The truth is, if God is constantly pursuing me, that he'll get my attention when he wants to get my attention. Now, I need to provide the opportunities and the avenues for him to do that. I need to quiet myself. I need to get alone. I need to uh, worship. I need to put myself in dinners for eight. Um, I, did, <laughs> I need to put myself in those positions to hear from him. But really, the only responsibility I have is that when he catches my attention, I am obedient to that. And I don't know if that speaks anything to you. For me, it was huge. I was like, oh, that's good. That changed my life. We were up at the men's advance. We had an incredible speaker. And he got into some incredibly personal things, and I don't have time to go into it, but I just want to let you know, there's some things that he told me in a Saturday morning session that I had never thought about and never realized, and I got a revelation of just things about me and my father and things about how I live my life and the way that God has blessed me and the fact that he has poured so much grace on me that I didn't even deserve, and it changed my life. Here's, <laughs> this came out in the teaching team and I thought this was so good. I think here's what church is a lot like. People come to church, they get information, they get knowledge, they get wisdom, they learn about God, they hear about God, they listen to all the things that, to be honest with you, I could go into that, are, that is under this cover um, and, and they, they hear about it and, and I mean, sometimes they might even, even get excited about, okay, this is what God's got for me. But then they go on and they go back into their lives. And even during the week, they're reading good books, encouraging books to their heart and to their spirit. Um, they're reading their Bible, maybe even every day that week. But they're just getting more information, more information without getting the revelation. Now, Here's the example that was given at the teaching team. And I thought it was just so good. It would be like somebody that knew everything about you, but you had never had an experience with that person. Would we kind of think that that was a little scary? A little stalkerish? Little, uh, okay, what's your game, sir? What's going on here, ma'am? You know everything. You know what time I get up. You know uh, when I shower. You know when I eat breakfast. You know where I go. You know where I'm going to eat lunch. This is getting a little spooky. <sighs> Church, when all you do is get information, knowledge, and wisdom, and you don't tie it in with revelation, <sighs> it's a little spooky. It's a little weird. And to be honest with you, we don't walk in the power we're supposed to. We don't understand our inheritance. We don't understand the things that we're called to, the things that we should expect from God. Why? Because we're filling ourselves with information and we're not seeking revelation. Every time you come to church, you should be asking God, God, I don't want just head knowledge. I want revelation. God, I don't want to be the same when I walk out the building than when I came in because that will mean I had an experience with you. And to be quite honest with you, some of you are short-circuiting what God wants you to do when you leave during the response time. Because that's the point when God wants to go, let's drive this point home, baby, boom! And give you revelation. One of the things I love about Pastor John, I mean, there's, there's, we have an incredible pastor. But a couple of the things that I love about him is that he is willing to change the service at any time in re regards to the structure and do whatever God tells him to do. And um, three or four years ago now, he changed the entire flow of the service so that we could receive the revelation portion. He put crosses in our sanctuaries. He put candles in the, in the front. He put communion every single week so that we would have different opportunities and different ways to receive revelation from God. Take advantage of those. Every week we have worship well, yeah, but you sing the same song over and over and over and over again. 
That's because we want you to get the truth in here. Stop singing it from here and ask God, oh, are we singing it 20 times because you want something, me to know something? <laughs> get it in here. We're not doing it just to repeat ourselves. We're doing it because we want you to receive revelation from God. So how do you receive it? First off, you can't make yourself get revelation. You can't. The only one that can give you revelation is God. Jesus says, it is better that I go from here so that you can receive the Holy Spirit. And as I said, um, the Holy Spirit is the one that, that, that will speak to us and will give us this revelation. As a matter of fact, John 16 says this, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. Oh, that's revelation. When you know something that has not happened yet. Hey, that sounds like the definition of faith. Being sure of what we hope for and certain of things are unseen. He will tell you the things that are not have not yet come. He will bring you glory to me by taking from what is mine, Jesus speaking, he'll take what is mine and he'll make it known to you. This is God's promise for us. This is not like uh, Paul writing it. It's not Peter. This is Jesus Christ himself saying these things. Man, if he said it, you gotta know it's gonna happen if you put yourself in a position to receive it. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. How do you receive revelation? You can put yourself, you can only put yourself in position to receive revelation. You cannot be in that position if the eyes of your heart are focused on anything other than God. The Bible, uh, why, why do you have me go here, God? The Bible says that if you put your eyes, the eyes of your heart on anything other than God, it's idolatry. Well, Pastor Dan, I don't worship little statues and little figurines. I, I know, <laughs> but how about the Broncos? <laughs> how about the mall? Sorry, ladies, I had to get both of you. It's equal offending. You cannot receive revelation if your eyes are focused on other things and you have to hunger and desire revelation. Luke says this, blessed are you who hunger now for you will be satisfied. Blessed are those who hunger now for you will be satisfied. Now see, I pray that this isn't the truth, but there may be some people at all of our campuses that haven't heard a word I've said because you're so intrigued by what's under this cover. <laughs> but to be honest with you, that's okay. Because if you're that hungry to know what's under here, then God has you in a really good place. Because it's that easy to receive the hunger from the Lord. When you put your eyes on a thing, it's amazing how quickly you start to hunger for it. Ooh, this is good. I start focusing on a Jeep Wrangler and all of a sudden I have this hunger for that thing. You put the eyes of your heart. You put the envious or jealous vision onto God. You take the content, you take the information, you take the wisdom and the knowledge that I have given you today and you set your eyes, your envious focus on it and you say, God, it's great information, but I want more. It's good information and insight. And man, Dan was on fire. He's yelling a lot. <laughs> But I'd rather hear the small, still, quiet voice of you, Lord. 
Can you uncover? Remember, revelation means to uncover. You know, I'm actually going to ask the campus pastors uh, to, to get to their tables. Um, to take what I've been telling you about all service long. This promises and the things of God that he has for you right here on this table. And how many of you wants a revelation of this? Like three people. Well, I guess, okay. (laughs) You guys don't want to know? Do you want to know? Okay. So everybody should, should be ready at all the campuses. And so here's what I want to do. What we want to do is we want to count to three and we'll take the cover off and we'll give you revelation to all those great things I was telling you to. So campuses one, two, wait a second. (laughs) The truth is this. It's not my place to tell you what God has for you. See, I'm just a messenger from God. God has to give you his revelation. Human nature wants to be told what to do. God's nature is he says, I want you to seek me and I'll let you know. It's one of the reasons we have denominations, church. All these different beliefs and all these, because man and woman want to be told what to do. Then a man tells them what to do. And for the time, it may be very life-giving. It may be very spirit-filled. But the truth is, God moves. And they stay right there because they continue to want to hear what man has to tell them what to do. And I'm here to tell you, God has revelation for every single one of us. He wants to give you insight. He wants to give you a fresh new word. He wants to give you fresh men. Some of you who are listening to me today have not received a fresh word of God in weeks, months, maybe years. But he wants to give you something fresh right now. When we go into our response time at all of our campuses, I want you to not put your envious vision on anything other than what God has for you. Which means that you're going to have to not worry about who's on your right and who's on your left. You're going to have to uh, just simply focus in on God because if you focus yourself on anything else, the Bible says it's idolatry. See, some people won't respond to God because their spouse is sitting next to them. Well, wait a second. You're saying my spouse can be uh, an idol? If it's before God. Take the intrigue. Take the tension. Take that desire that I'm sure all of you have to want to know what's under here and take it to God and go, give me revelation, Lord. Because when you focus your eyes on him, the hunger comes. And when the hunger comes, it puts you in a place to receive from God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the fact for the fact that you care for us so much that you want us to understand these things. God, I pray that at every single campus, that in every location where people are hearing my voice right now, God, that they would start putting their eyes and their focus on you. God, may they be envious to hear your words right now. May they be hungry to hear the revelation and the truth that you want to speak to them individually. And God, I pray that you would do what I cannot do. And that is take this message and put it to the heart, to 
to the spirit of every individual listening. And God, I pray that you would penetrate, that you would use these words to go in and separate between the spirit and the soul, that you would go in and separate between bone and marrow, that you would go in and you would speak your heart and your revelation. And God, that you would give every single person hearing this right now an experience with you. God, help them to realize that your voice sounds an awful lot like them. God, I pray that as they pray these things, they would listen to their thoughts. And God, I pray that you would speak to them. During our worship time, God, I pray that you would move in such a, just a miraculous way that people would be willing to stretch themselves and go out and give other people words if that is your will, God. That people who have sickness or have injury, God, that if it is your will, that you would do supernatural things without even any other person being involved, but that you would heal them. God, we just want to see the spirit that you have given to us move in great power. Because as Paul prayed, as Paul prayed, God you want us to operate and you, got, you want us to experience the power, the same power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead. So God, I pray that you would move in power in all of our campuses. Move mightily during this worship time. Move mightily during this response time. And God, we give you all glory and all honor and all credit because you are the King of kings and Lord of lords and you are all powerful. And Lord, we pray these things in your name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Listen, um, for Lone Tree right here. We were talking about it uh, at the teaching team. And, and I want to just encourage you. God uses the saints to speak revelation to people. God uses the message, God uses the Bible, God uses prayer, God can use the mountains, God can use all kinds of different things. God can use crosses, God can use candles, God can use communion, God most definitely can use worship. These are all the different ways that we receive revelation, but I want to challenge you today. And here's the challenge. If God gives you a word for somebody else, be bold. Be brave. Get up and go give that word to that person. Now, you don't have to stir it up. Remember, God's the pursuer. All we have to do is respond. But I, I believe in all of my heart that we have people that receive words all the time, but then they don't go out and give them. Remember, it needs to be encouraging, exhorting. It needs to comfort. If you want to test it, test it with that, and then go give that. Let's be bold. Let's, let's ask God to just move in mighty ways. So I'm going to turn over to the worship team. We've got the crosses in which if you can respond by note cards. and You can write down what God's speaking to your life. Sometimes the most powerful thing you can do is give that to the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, I'm giving this area to you. Candles to say, God, be the light in this particular area of my life. Maybe there's a revelation in a certain thing you need. Man, light a candle for that and God say, God, give me revelation. Give me insight on this. We have communion. Can't think of a better thing to participate in and then to remind ourselves what Jesus did for us. We've got the prayer team in the back and of course, church, we've got the worship team leading us to the throne room. Let's just follow and go there and see what God has in store. But here's what it takes. Your envious vision focused on God, not on when is Nate going to finish? Focused in on God.